Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. My name is Trey Kaufman. The mission of the Mosaic Life Podcast is to explore happiness, what it means to us as individuals, and why so many of us chase it, and yet we never seem to find it. If you find a value in this particular episode or you've found value in the podcast previously, I would greatly appreciate your support, which you can lend in one of a couple different ways. First of which, as always, is just pressing the subscribe button in your podcast player of choice. And if that podcast player of choice happens to be Apple Podcasts, leaving a five-star review helps me continue growing. It helps Apple realize that people get value out of this podcast and continues to distribute it to others who may enjoy it as well. And I also want to thank a listener who left a review last week by saying, Trey blends day-to-day conversation with self-reflection and introspection, allowing the audience to glean what best serves them from each episode. So truly, thank you for the kind words. Thank you for everyone who has taken time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. They mean the world to me, and I hope this podcast continues to bring value to your lives. One of my favorite aspects of hosting this podcast has been the very unique opportunity I've had to meet new interesting and inspiring people from around not just the U.S., but the globe. And as I've been given these chances to have these conversations, I usually try to recognize how my guest and I were connected. And on occasions more frequent than one may think, I had absolutely no idea a week prior that the two of us were going to be connected. That's what has made this so exciting to me. Because for as long as I can remember, I've placed the value of strong relationships above all else in my life and my business. And that leads me into how I met my guest today. For about six months, I've been given the chance to network virtually with others from around the globe on a platform called Lunch Club, which I think I've briefly mentioned once or twice before. Each week, I'm given the chance to have 45-minute to an hour-long conversations with people from Pittsburgh to Zimbabwe, which I just did this past week. And it's not only helped me learn how to have better conversations, especially when they're not being recorded, but they've also broadened my worldview and helped me better grasp how to be a better human in the eyes and for the benefit of those whose core values I share. Jeff Schwartz is an entrepreneur, dabbles in real estate investing, advertiser, speaker, and guest lecturer, husband, and father. Jeff is currently most well-known as the founder and president of Ethic Advertising Agency, an ad agency specializing in hyper-targeted digital advertising and creative development, which includes video, audio, animation, and graphic design. He has applied a focus on culture and happiness to his company from day one. He and his agency have been recognized or rewarded by the Tellies, Expertise, Three Best Raider, Marcoms, Hermes Creative Awards, Business Times, and has recently been selected as a top U.S. business leader by Top 100 Magazine. More importantly for this podcast, he's an avid believer that the constant pursuit of collective happiness is vital for any business and individual. 
This conversation with Jeff was an incredible example and reminder there are others near and far whose missions align with that of myself and how sharing their stories helps me continue writing my own. Please welcome to the podcast, my guest, Jeff Schwartz. Awesome, man. How's it going? Uh, Pretty good. Um, It's been... Since we last talked, I've had a couple of crazy things happen. Like just like, what was it? Not last week, the week before, my kids' daycare got um, a bunch of COVID cases, oh, no. so they were home for the whole week, which made last week like I moved from two weeks ago most of my uh, meetings from that week up to uh, uh, last week, yeah. which made it kind of busy. So this week actually has some holes on my calendar because I am super <laughs> excited about that just to get, get some things done. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that, that sucks. Um, it's hard to hear that when it feels like we're so close to the end of this, but I, I think in reality, we need to probably take a step back and realize we still have a, a lot of work to do to get through this. But um, I, hopefully, all of the all of the kids were able to come out the other side of it. Yeah, I mean, they're all fine. We did have um, someone that we know actually recently pass away from COVID. Oh, she was in her like twenties um, as well, too. So yeah. I mean, it's it's still you know we're doing this recording end of. April, 2021. Yeah. It's, it's that, like you said, it's that weird feeling of you feel a lot safer. You feel like it's out there. My wife is vaccinated. I'm getting my second shot next week. Like all these other things. But the reality is, is the cases are are still really high and, um, you know, we need to do what we need to do in order to, um, you know, to, to help kind of hopefully eventually get get past this but yeah i I agree it's weird it's a weird period yeah absolutely um yeah you mentioned right at the beginning here uh since we last spoke and it's very it's very interesting how we met in the sense that i've never actually brought somebody on to the podcast um in in that same fashion generally we have a a pre-interview to kind of go over some things that, you know, build a little bit of rapport, but you and I actually met, uh, through lunch club, uh, which is a fascinating product that, uh, I, I stumbled on last fall, I think. And I mean, how, how has, how has that experience been for you over the last few months? I mean, I, I've talked about it very briefly here on the podcast before, essentially you have the opportunity to hop on a, a video call or a zoom call with somebody, once or twice a week and just meet somebody from all over the world. And it's been, it's been fascinating to do so. Yeah. And I actually think that it's a neat component to the, the kind of the ideal of your podcast uh, as well too, of like the direction that it is. Yeah. Cause for me, you know, I, I, I try to do the best I can to balance and, and, and take the time to connect with new people and, and enjoy things. Um, the reality of it is, is owning a, small ad agency, um, you get busy at sometimes. Yeah. The, the lunch club thing has really allowed me. And I, and honestly, I wish I could do it more. It's allowed me to kind of tap into people that I normally want to talk to. And my attention with it isn't business development. It isn't anything that's initiative. It is literally just trying to take a moment to connect with somebody. And if those things happen, great. If not, I've, I've learned, um, about different industries, about different subjects that I normally wouldn't have learned before. And it's just like a, a neat little networking one-on-one, which is 
which is in my DNA. That's how I yeah. prefer to network is just have a conversation with somebody as opposed to, you know, going to like a mass um, group kind of setting as yes. well too. It's just, I, I really enjoy it. Um, and, you know, I have gotten good conversations with people from the business side of things to align, but I've also just had, you know, I don't think that I've had one bad conversation from that. It's just been an interesting um, journey with that, that component. I wish I could do it more. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I, um, I, I was brought up in, in sales, I guess, in the early part of my career. And to me, in my 20s, networking was going to those mass events, like you just said, and shoving a business card down everybody's throat who you could get in front of. And, and, and knowing the feeling of having that done to you as well, it's not good. And so as, as I found my entrepreneurial footing and I realized how much more important it was to build relationships as to, as opposed to it being a numbers game, at least in my, or I should say our industry, it's just been so much more powerful to have these conversations and, and see what comes of it. Because at the very least, you get to meet somebody interesting and new. For instance, um, last week I, I spoke with this guy. Uh, and he's currently living in Germany, but he's couch surfing all over the continent. And he's just, he's living in vans, living in tiny houses and just he, he has a, this passion for surfing and being outdoors. And it was just so fascinating being, a, being able to talk with him. I never would have gotten that chance to, to, to do that if it weren't for that platform. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And I've had, you know, like I said, I've had very interesting conversations with um, multiple different people. But, you know, to kind of tap into what you're talking about, the sales aspect as as well, the really the best way, especially in kind of the industries that you and I are in, to, to do this is find people that you're aligned with that yeah. that need need your services. And the the lunch club thing, like I said, it's not my intention for that, but every point of contact that I have reaching out there, there is that underlying component of what I call planting seeds. Yeah. And just saying, this is what I do. It's interesting. Okay, this is what you do. This is interesting in case I ever need it. Like there was a guy I talked with who has a pickle company nice. uh, and, and everything. Like if I ever need, you know, pickles in mass quantities, then I know where to go. But me and him had a really in-depth conversation about distribution of uh of all of his jars and stuff were coming from overseas and it was really locked up due to covid yeah so interesting things like that but um you know i'm i'm a big believer in not doing hard sells i'm a big believer in just kind of planting these seeds letting people know what i'm out what we're doing out there and who we are as people and relying on the fact that you know me and my company we do good work and we're we're genuinely good people it's it's kind of at our our core values of um uh, we have five core values that we actually just kind of re redid and we're revisiting because they're it's important to kind of address those and identify those things and just you know when you throw yourself out there you're going to be aligned with with people you're going to stumble across people that are like minded that will need your services as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you and I first connected, that's when you were really either you were you had started or you were in the midst of talking and discovering those core values and i mean your your company name is ethic advertising and that that that's more than just a name to you i mean you you built that into the dna of the company as is being you know something that you can actually be proud to present to others do you want to talk a little bit about how that came about 
Yeah, um, I get asked that a lot. It's actually one of the best marketing moves that I think that I did for for my own company of naming Ethic Advertising Agency, Ethic yeah. Advertising Agency, um, because I've heard things like, "Oh, it's an oxymoron." It, you know, it's kind of interesting. It doesn't really go together. Um, the privacy, because we're also heavy in the digital space, so yeah. privacy laws are something that's huge that we deal with all the time. Um, but the reality of where the name came from, came from a couple of different places. I actually wrote a blog on this. Um, am I able to, to maybe share that with oh, you? Oh, absolutely, after? And, for sure. Okay, and then, so this kind of, that, that blog has the whole write-up of the of it of the story behind it, but really it's kind of boiled down to, to two parts. The first one is I did not want to name the company after me. Yeah. Uh, you know, from the very beginning, I've, I've had, um, I, I've known that at some point I will not be running this company. Um, and that's just the reality of mortality. That's the reality that, you know, things change. You just never know. And when I launched the company, I was like, if it doesn't work in a year, then I tried and it was a dream accomplished and yeah. everything. And, and, you know, we're coming up on seven years now. But I knew I wanted something that was going to be able to outlast me, whether I would sell the company, get hit by a bus and die, um, it would fail, whatever whatever the reason is, you know, a company has a potential because it's more of an idea to outlast any human being. So I knew that I wanted to have something that wasn't just like Swartz and Associates, Swartz Advertising, whatever that is. So that was one thing. So I knew I wanted something kind of creative as well as being a ad agency. I wanted something that kind of spoke more to what the company was going to be really about right. and really kind of identify, you know, help identify who the organization is. And the spark of it came when I was working for CBS television on the ad sales side of things. I was working with a, a media buyer and, uh, it, uh, what I ended up doing for their client, because they were looking at building an, an annual campaign. So they're going to place a buy for the whole year. What I ended up doing was tiering every single rate. So I, I gave her the best possible rates every single month yeah. to try to get the best um, uh, deal for her client. And she said, Jeff, this is really great. Thanks for doing this. However, you know, I just want to look at this by quarter. I said, okay, well, if you're going to do that, then you're going to pick the highest rate for each quarter and you have to use that. And you're, you might spend you know more money for your client she said it's fine i just don't have the time to go through everything you know 12 times i, I can only do it four times essentially and i wrote that up sent it off i remember walking down the hallway because at the time i knew that i was launching my company i was working nights and weekends to kind of get it in place right. and i was thinking of a name and i had like 75 written down and i remember thinking that that was really unethical and that's kind of when my light bulb came off but it was years later that i i like a couple of years later, when I started having employees of myself, because I launched it just on my own initially, I, I realized that it wasn't her fault. It wasn't that she was unethical. It was that she really didn't have the time, which is a normal construct for an ad agency. Yeah. She didn't have the time. She didn't have the culture. She didn't have the structure to allow her um, to take the time to do maybe that extra step to try to get the best possible pricing for her clients. So that's where I realized that, you know, the ethics isn't just an individual morale, moral basis. It's also a company basis that needs to have that focus. And that's a, a, a big reason why, why culture is very important to, to me and, and, and my teammates and, uh, and why we, we periodically will focus on this. And when, you know, when we need to rework it, our core values were from when I just launched as a one person agency to now in next week, we're going to be up to seven people. And I realized, okay, our company has changed. We need to also make sure that our core values are in line and that everybody buys into it. 
and uh, and everybody knows exactly what they are by heart and, and really believes that. Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm, I'm, why do you think that is? I mean, you you it seems like you and I are kind of cut from the same cloth in that when I started my own company, you, you can call an agency if you want, you can call it whatever you want. I, I, I've been through two iterations of a company where I focus primarily on website design, a bit of marketing, and some social media. Uh, now, this iteration, I, I'm, I'm working solely for myself. That's how I want to stay because I, I, I don't want to be... I don't want to be responsible for somebody else's happiness. And I, I know that that may seem like an egotistical thing to say, you know, yeah, you, you shouldn't have the power over somebody else's happiness. But when it comes to agency culture, there is such a toxic mentality that goes along with it because employees, sales reps, uh, creatives are so overworked. They have so many accounts that to your very point, and I remember you telling me that story and that story sticking vividly in my mind, that it's just so hard to give the necessary attention to the people who are, you know, putting their, their budget and their lives in the line to help so you can help them grow. I mean, why, why do you think that culture exists the way it is today? Um, I think... There's multiple components of that, and one is that it, that's the way that it was for a long time. And there's a, a deep-rooted kind of service mentality where agencies would, um, you know, work to the bone, scrap whatever they could do, right. cut rates, do whatever they they needed to do for just to win business because yeah. um, it's a competitive landscape that's out there. Um, so there's there's like a, a a cultural component in the, within the industry that um, that has existed for a long time, as well as the competitive nature where people think, well, in order for me to win this business, I need to, you know, not get paid as much, uh, which means that I don't have as many resources as many people to work on some things. Now, don't get me wrong, wrong. We're actually like we're in a time period right now where we're all really, really busy. The difference that I notice with with us at Ethic is that we're having open conversations yeah. about people's workload. Yeah. Um, one of my team members just said, said, "Hey, I'm noticing that I'm having a, a real workload. Just wanted to identify, kind of, you know, I know we have this, this, and this going on, but um, this is what we're kind of experiencing." And that's a component of we're in growth mode as well too. I just yeah. posted a job posting for paid social media. Um, expert uh to try to get some some more help on the team so being a smaller company we're doing that ebbs and flow of adding people and the resources as we need them but also yeah. kind of getting the business as well too it's when you know people fall into traps where they don't want to add the resources because they're fearful that they might lose a client and then you know then they're kind of stuck and it, it is it is a risk right what our focus is is kind of bringing that holistic mentality of what we've recommend to our clients with an ad campaign to everything that we do. So we're looking at keeping our sales funnel full to replace anything that might go away. We're looking at um, client happiness and retention as to be one of the most important things that we do, as well as staff happiness and retention. So it's just kind of something that is within the entire culture of our company that's not just an afterthought that management decides to focus on whenever there seems to be a problem, but it's something that everybody at the company is encouraged to talk about and encouraged to discuss, to figure out what we're doing, as well as, you know, working 
smarter, not harder. So we're focused on processes. We're focusing on researching different tools to allow us to do that. And, uh, and then it becomes a situation of, can we afford it? Should we do it? And then, you know, going from, from there with some of the things that, that cost some money. I love that. I love that. And I, I wish more business owners would pay attention to it. It seems to be, at least to me, that you're taking a very holistic approach. And obviously you want to keep your employees happy. That is, that is kind of, it seems to be one of the core tenets of any business owner, you know, maintain your staff so you don't have turnovers. You don't have to pay to train somebody new, but you talk about maintaining client happiness and and retaining them for the long run. Obviously that is a big goal for, for any business, but I don't hear it talked about nearly enough. And I, I have to imagine everything is just, it works in tandem uh, to you know, keeping your keeping your staff happy, keeping your clients happy, keeping management happy, and they just it it seems to be very cyclical, and uh, that each component plays into itself. I mean, how I, I don't know if asking the question, you know, how much time do you spend on each spoke is 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 the right question to ask, but I'm I'm curious, you know, how that plays out in your day to day with with your business. Yeah, so you know, with with what I have, and I have um. Um, I have some people that I've really drawn some good influence from. One of them that uh, really helped me with the, kind of this component of how what I what I should focus on yeah. and what I shouldn't focus on and everything. Um, it's a guy named Jeff Nicholson. He's the um, CEO of Tracer. Um, it's a Vayner Media company, so like Gary Vaynerchuk, yeah, um, company. And um, you know, I've had the pleasure of kind of talking with him a little bit. And, and years ago, when we first got connected, um, we talked a lot about the business plan yeah. and the structure. And there's certain things, and I know that I'm going to talk about this book later on as well, too. There's I'm reading or that I'm rereading a book called Traction that talks about, um, you know, structure of the business yeah. and, and everything that you need to do to have a successful business. The reality of it is, is that if you create the higher level structure if you create the core values that you have if you have a good identity of who you are and if you have an understanding of the different sectors that you need as well as what jeff nicholson kind of had me had me do is put my business plan into a powerpoint presentation that was about seven eight pages long or is about seven eight pages long with with the mindset of if i gave this to an investor could they see where I've been, where I currently am and where I'm going to decide, do they want to talk with me about investing in my company? Yeah. Now, the reality of it is, is I don't have to give that to an investor, but that lays a groundwork just to allow me to take a step back and say, this is where I've been, this is where I am, and this is where I, I'm, I'm projected to go and have a clear understanding of how do I get there? Yeah. So ultimately, and Traction talks about like having like a 10-year goal and, and everything. So it, my mindset, and I'll be... 26 this week. Um, so I have a lot of tread on the tires. My mindset is very long term and I have a lot of time to get there. So if I have long term goals, it allows me to backtrack to identify what's the important thing to work on and then making those into micro milestones as well, too. The reason why I'm talking about long term goals to answer your question is if I know where I want to be personally and professionally, then in, in the long term, then it becomes a lot easier to make that pathway to break it down and understand, okay, well, what do I need to do this year? Okay, well, in order to get my goals for this year, what do I need to do this month, this quarter? And essentially what you want to do is break it down into what is the most important thing 
that's going to be the stepping stone to get me to where I want to be that I need to focus on right now. Yeah. And, and, and only having like three to five things that you're truly focusing on your list of things to do can be really long. Right. But that's kind of like your future to do list that you shouldn't really worry about everything that's on there. You should just have it there. So, you know, you want to eventually cross that off, but you should focus just in the short term, just on the few things that you can actually do now. So you can cross them off your list. There's things like, um, Dave Ramsey's snowball effect um, with with debt. Are you familiar with him at all? I am. Yeah. So his his theory is actually mathematical mathematically incorrect, and it goes into more psychology to where if you take the smallest loan that you can get rid of fastest and get that taken off, and then take that money you're putting towards it to go to the next one, it'll snowball, and eventually you pay off all your loans. Mathematically, that that doesn't really make sense. You want to go up to the highest interest. You want to figure out okay, mathematically. What do I need to pay with my amount of money to eventually make the most out of it? Right. And he even admits that. He says this. But he says the reality of it is, is that if you have a micro goal and you accomplish it with a certain amount of time, you'll feel good about it. You want to keep doing more and more. Yeah. So there's multiple instances of really smart people that have systems at work that's all about making manageable short-term goals that are all leading towards that long-term goal as stepping stones instead of just saying, Eventually, I want to launch my own company. Eventually, I want to be a millionaire. Eventually, I want to do, you know, what, you know, whatever it is without making those stepping stones to get there. And, you know, you have to really decompartmentalize and make them achievable goals along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, before I forget, happy birthday. I hope uh, I hope you have a good one. You said it's, it's this week. Uh, yeah, my, my, my son and I are, my son's on the 28th. My, my, I'm on the 29th. So he'll turn three and I'll turn 36. That's you, th- you said 36 or 26? 36. Okay. I, th- I thought, I thought previously you said 25. I must've misheard you, but regardless, happy birthday. Uh, I hope it's a fantastic one. And that actually, when you talk about micro goals and you talk about, you know, setting forth to accomplish big Harry audacious, audacious goals or whatever that acronym is. I used to hold firm in the belief that at least this was in my twenties. And now that we're talking about age, I used to hold firm in the belief that one morning I was going to wake up and I was going to have everything that I ever wanted. And that sounds so ridiculous in retrospect. I, I, I thought that, you know, one day I was going to just, I was going to be a successful entrepreneur or I was going to be an author without having to do the work. And I, for some reason, I feel like that's a mentality that exists today, probably partially due to social media and, and people only showing the good things, the good elements, not the, not their failures. But to your very point, it is so incredibly important to say, okay, here, listen, I, I want to make a million dollars in, let's just say, by 2025. What do I have to do to break down that goal to say, hey, listen, over the next quarter, I can have this much bi- I can have this much business I can build this amount of, uh, of 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 business on on my books and then I can start to slowly inch my way toward that major goal I mean I, I can't it's hard for me to really fathom things being handed to me like like I used to think so how 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 important has it been for you to just break down every piece of building your business from you being a solopreneur to you building a team of seven to, to get to that point as to where you are now? Um, I mean, it's, it's one of those things too, where this has been a learning process, you know, yeah. and, and it's continuing to be a learning process. And every year I, 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 that goes by, I look back and I was like, wow, like 
you know, it does, it seems like in the day to day that you're, you're just kind of doing the day to day stuff and everything. But if you think about, you know, where you were a year ago and how you got there, you can identify how, how it works. And that's what gets, gets me excited is, is when I do make plans, when I do take the time to sit down and, and figure some things out, um, I, I'm able to solve problems and get those stepping stones in place that allows me to, to get to where I, I need to be um where 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 I want to be and then you don't really notice it until you take that moment and like stop to smell the flowers and right. take a look back and realize like you know September 2014 is when I launched my company I launched it like if it didn't work in a year I, w- I wasn't going to do any- it anymore right and then I look back and I, and and I remember um you know getting to three staff members and then realizing I had a scalability issue I couldn't scale I was a one person shop that then was trying to add people and I take that step back and and uh really not focus on business development focus on the structure of the business and now you know we've implemented some business development funnels and everything so we've taken the, these times and these steps to have it all add up to where I'm super excited for where my company is right now. Um, and you know, kind of where we're, where we're headed. So, uh, it's, it's been vital for me to get to where I am today. And it's even more vital for me to focus on, on, on it even more, continue to kind of learn and and, and evolve for me to get to where I ultimately want to be as well, which I think kind of ties into what I think sparked the one, one of the topics we talked about initially was, happiness and the realization of the journey as well too and and i had my roller coaster analogy too which which kind of ties ties into you know the ultimate goal of why everybody really wants to do anything is self-fulfillment pleasure all those like happiness and those kind of things money money buys security and it helps allows you to do things and everything but those things and those you know those relationships are really what what people should be craving yeah um uh, where it's, it's more of just kind of that, that being satisfied with yourself and recognizing that too. But the reality of it is, it's actually easier to be happy along the journey than it is when you actually get there. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm curious how important that has been for you over the last seven years. I mean, have, what have you done to ensure that you're able to take a step back and reflect on the past the past seven years, the past five years, the past, you know, six months since launching your business, what what have you done to make sure that you don't lose sight of why you ultimately started Ethic Advertising? Yeah, well, I mean, I may I, I, I write, write it down. Yeah. Um, you know, I have goals uh, that I have on there, but they're changing as well, too. The reason why I started Ethic Advertising, you know, the heart of it, um, you know, was really, you know, if I'm going to look back then was to fulfill a dream and take a risk to see if it could work. Yeah. So my, my, my kind of leading up to launching ethic was when I was in college, um, I realized that I wanted to do advertising. Um, I was in between, I, I was thinking about doing veterinary school at some point and advertising was there two different things, but I realized I want to do advertising yeah. probably because it was a little bit less schooling. Um, but you know, when, with that, I had an internship at a small ad agency in, in Dayton, Ohio, uh, called the next wave. And I realized then that, Hey, I could, I could run a small agency. Like I, I could actually do this because the skill sets that are required are things that are really like, it's creative side, it's the analytical side. Yeah. It's kind of blending those two things together. So when I was about 20, I realized what I wanted to do. 
And then I took almost 10 years to get the skill set and the capital to, to do that. Um, I worked for CBS television in Dallas and in Pittsburgh. I was a media buyer and a planner in between that for brands like Church's Chicken, Zales Jewelries, uh, Shoney's. I also, um, you know, my very first job was a short stint with um, a, a company out of Silicon Valley that's called Cellfire. I don't think they're around anymore. Those coupons on your cell phone was like the Motorola flip razor was the, was the big phone. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, crafted my career to do that. I got into some real estate investing, you know, flipped uh, a couple of houses. I, I still own a couple of rentals as well too. So I got the capital built up to launch it on my, my own. And I think when I initially launched it, I was like, this is my dream from when I was 20 years old and not really fully understanding of what I wanted out of it. Now right. that I'm older and I've been in it, I have a more clear understanding right now of what I want out of it um and what those goals are so the reality of it is is that my goals and what i want is always going to change and shift as my priorities change and shift when when my daughter was born my first kid yeah that drastically shifted my perspective and my goals and what i wanted time became a lot more valuable than money yeah um you know and i've never been greedy uh, as well too which has been a huge asset for, for me to do what i i've been wanting to do and, and grow it is i'm doing this because i I, I like what I'm doing and I, and I do it um, because it's fun. And, and I do it because it's, it's a means for me to achieve the goals that I want to achieve, which is financial independence. It's also a big component of sharing the culture and sharing the way that we do business with as many people as possible, whether it's vendors, clients, or, or team members. Um, so, you know, some of those are my, my really ultimate goals, which, it's good to have goals that have measurable points. That's really yeah. good. But it's also, I believe, good to have goals that really don't have an end date. So you can chase it and chase it and chase it. If it's things like, you know, sharing happiness with, with more people and sharing our culture with more people and, and stuff like that, that's something that's never going to gonna go away. Yeah. Uh, and so, so it's, it's balancing all of those things out, writing it down, having a clear vision of what that is and knowing that, you know, that can change. That, that's... That's so important. I, um, I think people get so, I think there's a lot of tunnel vision when it comes to the goals that we set out to accomplish. We, we, we see something that we want at this very moment and we refuse to accept the fact that, you know, our, we change, we don't live in a vacuum. Uh, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, previously we, we could hit, get hit by a bus this very afternoon. Things change and we have to learn and adapt to that. And I, I love that you've taken your business philosophy and really structured it around that. And I, 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 I'm interested in, in knowing from a business owner who employs six others, how you obviously have your vision of, of what makes you happy, of what you enjoy, of what your ultimate business goals are. When you hire somebody on, obviously they're going to have slightly different life goals. Maybe they don't want to be a parent. Maybe they want to have the financial freedom and flexibility to travel around the world, which would obviously affect your output or their output as an employee if they're you know working from Timbuktu. So I, I'm just curious to know how you not just adapt, but, and not even just accept, but help people under your employ live their, live out their ultimate, ultimate goals, as long as they are a productive team player on, on, for your business. So that's really, that's, that's a great question. And that's one of those ones with, when it comes to hiring that 
I feel like right now I have a really good grasp on, but you know, it's taken like being a small company. I haven't hired that many people, but I've learned a lot from the hires that I had. And I, I, every hire that I had has been good people, but sometimes, you know, the, the, I had a couple, I have a couple people that aren't with me anymore because they're doing things that are maybe better suited to what they, they want to be doing as well too. Right. And, you know, if ethic was a stepping stone for that, that's, that's great. I still have good relationships with all of them. Um, but what ultimately what I want to do is I want to get really nailed down with the hiring process of, of getting the right people that match us and that this is the right place for them. Cause I've also gotten better at having conversations with potential hires. And I said, and I've gotten to the root of, well, you say, this is what you really want to do. Me giving you a job isn't going to get there. Right. And that's not going to be beneficial to any of us. So I've actually not hired quite a few people because I've been able to, to do that. And really kind of what it boils down to is, is two things. Whenever you're talking about, um, you know, your teammates happiness is one, you have to make it very clear what the company's goals are and what is expected at the company. Yeah. So that's why, you know, with our core values, I got my my team involved. Our new core, our old core values were, are, you know, that's currently on our website, are ethics, diligence, harmony, and uh, results. And what our new ones are going to be is progress, respect, efficiency, kind boldness and quality so similarities in those but they you know there there's some differences as well too and ultimately what i want to do is i want to ensure and i'm going to have regular meetings and we're going to have this ingrained in everybody that's at the company that this is what the company this is what our organization is about we're going to be in line with that and the reality is is it's okay if you don't you know you you don't want to work efficiently or you don't want to, you know, have one of these core values that you're, that are lined up because something changes and you want to do things that are more experiential or, or something like that. Right. Um, that's okay. That just means that we're probably, that's, we're probably not the right company for you. So laying out the groundwork of what the company is from a value standpoint and a direction standpoint and saying, are you on board with these things and really believing it, I think is incredibly important. And then the second part is, is listening to your team members, taking the time to have one-on-ones with them, taking the time to understand what their personal goals are to make a, make sure that they're in line with the company goals, but also B, see if there's a way that you can do something a little bit differently for that individual so they can help them achieve that goal. Um, you know, whether it is spend more time with family, um, buy a house, uh, learn something, you know, have their career direction go in a certain way as well. So listening to them, gives you a good understanding of where people want to be as well as being able to assess, well, what is their skill sets? Where can they actually, um, you know, what can I do to either help them get them there, uh, as well as where are they at right now? Is it something that they can, they can handle? So listening to them, but also having the companies goals and, and values be very transparent and, and have something that, that be it something that they all believe in are like the two most important things. Yeah. And we may have touched on this the first time we spoke, but what you just said, it's so much more important and valuable than having your, having a keg in the kitchen or having a ping pong table in the break room. And I, maybe that was a step in the right direction in the early 2000s, but obviously so much has changed since then. Understanding 
obviously not just the core values of the company, but the core values of the individuals who you're spending a great deal of time with. I mean, to me, that just seems like a perfect recipe for success. And, you know, as, as we mentioned, maybe that will change. Maybe that will evolve. Obviously, we've seen a whole lot of change in the last year, and we've seen a lot more feasibility in remote work. So, I mean, there's just that that old that old agency mindset does that even exist anymore or is it or are people evolving along with the times i i know that people are evolving with the times at other ad agencies i think you know bigger ones are having a slower time to to get to it but you know overall there's i've seen a big shift in in that mentality just because people have seen that it's that it's worked really well yeah. and one thing that i did want to touch on is you said the core values of the company but also knowing the core values of the the individual as well too yeah i actually think that they should be the same yeah i yeah. think i think that if the individual's core values are the same as the company's then that is a right fit for that person and and that person is a right fit for the company yeah um, and everything. Now they can have different goals. You know, the company has company goals. The individual has has other goals uh, as well too. But if the core values of the if if the company is made up of individuals whose core values are the same as the company's core values, and we hire and we promote and we encourage around those things, then that's where we're going to have kind of the the most success. So I, I'd actually love to see those those things be the same. Absolutely. And that actually, that's a great, that leads me to this question. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned Gary V, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Chuck. Um, I have heard him say on a podcast before, and I, it's been so long, I'm not going to remember exactly what he said, but it's more important to consider why you fire someone than why you hire someone. And if you hire someone in the, in the way that you just said, because they have the same core values, then firing them has to be... S- I don't want to say so much more difficult. I want to say you need to be a lot more mindful and thoughtful when deciding that they're not a good fit for your company. Now, I know you don't have a ton of employees, but and I know that you've, you know, passed up a lot of potential employees. I mean, have you experienced having to to let somebody go because they their values didn't fit? And if so, were did you give them the benefit of saying, "Hey, Maybe this isn't a great fit, but whatever I can do to support you in your future career, I'm happy to be that resource for you. Yeah, um, I've actually been fortunate or unfortunate that anybody that wasn't really a good fit, like we were working through, I like I was helping them identify is this a good fit, and then they would. A lot of times, what ends up happening is that they they end up finding something and going off on right. on their own as well too uh and everything and they and like i said they were you know they're they're really talented individuals and, and everything and it allows me to actually easily say that because i i firmly believe that the jobs that they're in now which are the ones that happen right after yeah um uh and everything are are like better matches for them as well too like i can't i can't argue with that i think that's good i'm very happy for them that's great but um you know i have let reps and I have let freelancers uh, go uh, for things that aren't really kind of matching. So I do have those experience and, and what I expect from them, but it's a little bit different than, than teammates as well too. Um, and I have been, you know, I have been very cautious of who to hire. Yeah. So it hasn't been very many people that have left and actually one that left um, is, is back now. And I didn't blame her for, for leaving as well. Cause she went to the corporate world, which small ad agencies can't compete with the corporate world when right. it comes to, you know, some things, but 
you know, essentially she came back and she was like, this is home. Like, this is, you know, I'm glad that I did that. And I was glad that she did too. She got that experience and everything uh, and stuff. Um, but, you know, the the thing is, is I'm always going to have people that leave and I am going to, you know, eventually need to let internal people go uh, as we grow and, and keep continue to hire more and more people. Um, but having those prerequisites uh, of do they have, the, the necessary skill set to do the job. The skills aren't as important as ability to learn the skills, in my right, opinion, and right. who the person is. Um, but if they're the right person now, the question really becomes, are they still the right person? And as, is the company still the company that it was then too? Like I said, we're, we, you know, the whole redoing the core values has, uh, you know, the process started about six years after I created the original ones and, and everything. So, the company can change as well too. And then when that company changes, do we still have the right people? So I, assessing those kind of things. But I think that it's important to take the time to identify, A, is this person the right person? Yes or no, for the company, a yes or no. If yes, and something's still off, are they in the right seat? Yeah. Are they able to do the job that they're able to do? Are they liking to do the job that they're able that they're that they're required to do, or should they be placed somewhere else too? It, it's really those those kind of combinations of you know, is it the right person for the company, and are they in the right seat and able to do the work that they can do? And that kind of those things have to match. If not, there's a lot of people that get blamed for not doing a good job when they're just not in the right position. Right. And it has nothing to do with who they are, or what their skill set is. It just happens to actually be more of a managerial thing of not having them do what they're supposed to be doing. Absolutely. So that brings up an interesting thought. You know, obviously you mentioned when you started the company, you had your own core values. You injected those into what has become the company. Now you've reevaluated what the core values are. And to, to your point, you will not always be the owner of the CEO. And that's, that's, that's your goal to, you know, allow it to be, to, to be bought or to pass it on to a new owner over the last seven years, over the next seven years, how, how has the company, I don't want to say evolved away from who you are uh, as an owner, but how has it evolved to take on the core values of everybody within the organization? They obviously all the values seem like they fit you now but is that changing so it's more of a collective value as opposed to a personal one yeah and that's what the exercise really was to update these more yeah. recently is getting the input of other people uh within the organization because it was one of those things where like i have the best team that i ever had right uh, right now yeah. and we all click we're like we're all in the same wavelength but it's not written it wasn't written down like what you know what we, what we were like we had and the core values that we had um, you know, I'll be honest, like I wrote them a long time ago and I would have probably struggled to remember what they, what they were when I first started this process. Right. So it was like a lot of other companies, our mission statement, our core values are just something that someone wrote up a long time ago on our website, where the difference with what I'm trying to do with these core values is that we're actively talking about it, actively believing in it. And I set that precedence too. I said, listen, we're going to redo this, but we're going to do this as an exercise to actually say, this is who we are. We're going to hire by this. We're going to fire by this. We're yeah. going to live by these things within our, within our organization. And, you know, you know, the nice thing is, is coming up with this, this, with my team, it's a lot of me that's driving this, right? but 
every one of my team members I know matches this. And it's one of those things where I knew that I knew whatever our core values were going to come up with was going to match these people because these people were right. This is just putting it into writing and making sure that they know that they need to stick to this. They, um, you know, in order for them to be happy at this company, because if they don't, they're going to become unhappy and and then the work is going to suffer as well as the hiring and firing of different people as they come in to the organization. Yeah, absolutely. I I absolutely love the way you're running your company. It's it's something that I, I, I greatly admire. And while I, I don't necessarily want to grow beyond myself, it's it's, it's refreshing to see somebody operating in this space and, and kind of the, I don't want to say in the new age, that sounds too hyperbolic, but I mean, I just, I, I love the way you're doing it. So I, I give major props to you. Um, before I kind of start to bring things to a close, I am curious. I think we talked about it briefly uh, previously. Podcast podcasting has has been around for a decade plus. It's interesting, and it's I'm 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 curious to see the ways in which it's changing now. I don't know how closely you pay attention to the industry, but Spotify, Apple, both had big announcements over the last couple of weeks. They are going to start paying or offering paid or uh, monetization op- options for their podcasters who create content by creating premium content for subscribers. Apple taking a cut as they generally do from podcasters, Spotify coming out, I think over the weekend saying, Hey, listen, you can have paid subscriptions for your subscribers and you can keep 100% of the revenue. And that's just, it's, it's a slightly different take, I think on the Patreon age. And it's definitely different from having monetization options by having advertisers. I'm just curious from, from, from your standpoint, who you deal a lot with, obviously paid advertisements, you know, what, what is your take on the industry and how it's evolving and your take on even, you know, selling ad space within podcasts? Um, so, you know, for a long time, I've thought that podcasts are underutilized medium. Yeah. Um, that, uh, I think that it's it's more of a complexity of how to how how to monetize it on a mass scale, right? And and it's getting figured out. Um, for for me, the reality of what you know I'm looking for as an as an ad agency is to get in front of the right people at the right time with the right message, right? And we've utilized podcasts both from a sponsorship standpoint as well as um, you know programmatically buying some uh, some things as well too. Right. But as that evolves, as like you know Spotify and Apple and like major players start to kind of open these things up and and everything, and make it more commonplace. You know, ideally, it gets a little bit streamlined is what I would be hopeful for instead of having to buy just Apple. Um, instead of having to buy just Spotify and everything, we buy it programmatically to have that content on there. And I think that's eventually where where a lot of this is is heading. So I think that it's going the right. Of course, my dog's barking now, but I think <laughs> it's going right. in the right direction. Um, you know, in in my opinion, because YouTube's a great example where someone can go on there, generate their own revenue by creating good content. Yeah. Um, and and you know, people that that are doing what you're doing as well. If you build an audience that has value, a lot of real value, especially if it's something that's in a topic that that's desirable to a certain um, advertiser as well too. So I'm, I'm actually thinking that it's going to continue to expand. I think that's a very viable um, option. It's just a matter of 
you know, what's that like you, for YouTube, you have to have a thousand subscribers and you have to, um, you know, and do a couple of other things to monetize it as well too. You know, what are the rules going to be maybe for, for podcasts? Um, and I don't know that side of things. I just, I just look for opportunities to be a part of it because I actually think there's a lot of value in small podcasts, a lot of value in, in some of these kind of smaller ones. And it'd be great that they were part of the network. And we could just use our our targeting tools to identify this person's the right person. They're happily listening, uh, you know, to whatever podcast, and you know, maybe they listen to Trey or something like that. And, right. And uh, you know, I want to want to put an ad in front of them. You know, you bring up a really good point. It's not something I'd, I'd thought of before. In regard to YouTube, that's the that's the gold standard for video. That's where people go for video to consume video content, even even for podcasting yeah. to some extent. And with podcasting for audio only podcasting, it is so scattered. You've got Spotify, which is quickly becoming the king, and and I think rightfully so. But then you've got Apple, and I, I I only use Apple in the sense that I distribute my podcast to it. But I believe you actually have to download the um, the episode, you know, prior to listening. Which when when you're streaming through Spotify, you can geo target based on you know their IP address or where their their cell phone is pinging off of the towers. But if you download an episode from Stitcher or from from Apple Podcasts and then you drive across the country, you may be served an ad that was meant for Central Ohio. But if you're in Denver, Colorado, that ad is not going to be relevant. So that that's that's where the disconnect for me has been. I'm curious to see how or if that changes or if things even become more standardized in the future because it's hard for me to see you know minus you know the major players dropping off that that actually changing yeah and i do think that and the other thing that i'm noticing as well too like you know iheart's in that space intercoms is in that space like there's there's it's it's a focus it's something that people are trying to actively figure out at these levels to figure out how do they monetize it and have value to it as well too which adds some confusion when there's so many different players that are trying to pine for it and everything right um, at the same time, the reality of it is, is advertisers and businesses will try to adapt to what consumers want because consumers, if you're the one who figures out what consumers want before everybody else, you have a massive edge Yeah. and consumers want, want to digest podcasts. They want to digest vlogs. They want to digest social media and YouTube content. Um, you know, more and more, it's becoming more and more commonplace as, as well too, uh, in, in our culture to where, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't too, too long ago. It was, you know, black and white broadcast TV. We had a big yeah. disruptor with cable television coming in and, you know, now we have OTT, we have video pre from advertising standpoint, the digital audio space has really been an interesting one as well too, because, you know, streaming your favorite radio station, but also streaming your favorite music or podcast or, you know, whatever it might be. There's a lot of mediums that are out there, but the reality of it is, is that the value is the audience with these mediums all the time and what they want. If, if content creators can create bigger audiences and drive more traffic, they can monetize it um uh how you know in a in a bunch of different ways and then people that are looking to monetize that and serve ads are going to look to ways to try to figure out how do we do this and make the most money off of this as well too so the fact that there's a desire that you have 10 years of podcasting um you know uh going on people are people want to listen to this content it's not gonna, it's not like something that's going to go away right but i think it's going to evolve as to how people get paid on it and monetize it yeah Absolutely.
that yeah that makes that makes perfect sense and i, I appreciate you lending uh that insight um it's it like i said it's something that i, I think about often but it's always good to to get a, a, a secondary viewpoint of, of where the industry is going. So again, thank you. Um, Jeff, I, I, again, I can't thank you enough for your time. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to connect over lunch club. If anybody hears this and that they they're curious about it, sign up. It, it's been a, an awesome experience. And so I like to, I like to um, close with just a, a few questions. Cause to me, this, this has always been kind of a partnership. It's, it's, I have the opportunity to to bring these fascinating and these insanely intelligent people onto the podcast, have really engaging conversations. And so I can't thank my guests enough. So I always want to be of benefit to them. And so I'm always curious, you know, if you are looking to grow or if you consider how you're looking to grow, if you're considering what resources you need to, to do so, what would those be? Let's say, let's just say somebody happens to be listening across the country and they can lend a resource to you to say, Hey, Jeff, I can help you. I can help your advertising agency grow. What is it you're looking for to continue growing yourself or your business? Yeah. I mean, ultimately the two things that we need to do, um, and it's kind of like myself and my business are, are in line with this, but what I really am passionate about is being the visionary of my company, working on uh, my company, um, but being you know a smaller agency, I'm still uh, you know involved in the client day to day stuff. Ultimately, what I want to do is I want to have continue to have more talented people at the respective um, areas in our operation side of things to be able to do the work that they love doing and um, you know kind of get me out of that so I can just focus on administration. That's like the long-term goal. Yeah. In order to do that, we need to increase our revenue and we need to increase our talent pool. Um, you know, with those two things, uh, the things that would help me out the most are, are identifying advertisers and ad agencies. We do work with a lot of ad agencies that don't have the digital capabilities or creative capabilities that we focus on. Um, uh, and we can, you know, lend our services to them. But growing our revenue in that standpoint, so just working with somebody that wants an agency that has the capabilities, but also has the culture that we have and the desire to put ourselves in their shoes to make decisions based off of what we think is right, not just what we think is going to be profitable for us. Actually, not at all what we think is going to be profitable for us, but always what what is right for them. So, you know generating revenue referrals those kind of things is always welcomed as well as you know talented individuals too right now we're looking for that paid social media person um but i've always said that i'm willing to listen to anybody that comes to me with a plan to showcase this is how i pay for myself and usually that's sales and business development related where someone says i have a client or something like this or this is my strategy to come you know to come to you guys i want to work here um i want to earn my keep and those kind of things i'm always looking for that but we're also at a tipping point too, where we'll have probably other job openings opening up um, throughout the this year and next year for sure, uh, and everything. So those those couple of things that's fantastic are, are what be the biggest help. That's great, and I, I I am curious, and you you mentioned this book already, but I always like to know if you could recommend one book that has just changed your life. What book would that be and why? And and a little spoiler, I do have the book and I, I've heard wonderful things about it, not just from you, but from others as well. And I, I need to actually break into it and read it, but I'm curious why this book has just had such a profound impact on you. 
Yeah. So the, you know, the, the one book that currently is kind of guiding me the most is Traction by Gino Wickman. Um, and it's, it's really, it's, it's an engaging book, but also the thing I like about it is that it has action items. It's not just saying this is what you should do. It's saying this is what you should do. Also download the two page document to do the homework and do the practice. Yeah. Um, I love that aspect. And it also has a lot of stuff in there that just resonates with me. You'll, you know, if someone reads that book or has read it, they probably will notice it from listening to this, that there's some things that are in line um, with what I talked about and what that book has. Um, so I really like that. But the, the reality of it is there's a lot of books out there that are good books that have, you know, helped shape who I am. It's not just one book that's going to be life changing to, you know, to me, but there's a lot of stuff out there. However, one of the things I am testing with traction is taking the concept of, well, what if I just follow this instead of trying to take a bunch of information from all over the place and compiling it into one, this traction book kind of already did a lot of that as well too. What if I just try to follow it very, you know, almost to the, to the, to the T in a way and just see what happens for a little bit. And in doing that, um, it's actually, I've, I've been seeing some some really good advancements and, and results as well, too. So I do like taking inspiration from all over the place. But currently with this traction book, um, you know, unless there's something that I just don't agree with in there, which I haven't really found very much in there or that like that. Yeah. Um, I'm actually trying to follow that along. And that's it, it's really influencing for the better um, my, my kind of, business and professional path as well as leaking into the personal side of things yeah that's fantastic i love hearing that and i i, I don't know why i've been putting off reading it I, I think partially because i was under the impression it was built for for business owners with teams but i mean does it work just as well for you know somebody who works for themselves yeah i think that you'll find a lot of things applicable in that um and you whether it's just you or you have a giant team i think that these are fundamental, like essentially you're running a one person business, right? Right, right, right. So if you want to run that to the best of your ability, you know, you might not have the three silos of operations, um, uh, business development and marketing, and then admin and HR as separate individuals. That's all you, that's you as a different mindset and figuring out, well, how do I do these things kind of things as structure of, of a business? So I think it'd actually be very beneficial to somebody that's an individual as well as, you know, maybe identify, you know, you're a sole entrepreneur, but as you, as you grow, there might be some resources that you can add that aren't your employees, but maybe it's somebody who's doing your, your bookkeeping or somebody that's, helping out that's a freelancer or something like that and have an understanding of the structure of, of what your business looks like. Okay. That's, that's fantastic. All right. I will absolutely put that in the, the lineup. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. And um, last but not least, I always like to ask, and it's just to, to, to leave us with, with uh, one final bit of positivity. If you could offer the world one personal call to action that you live by, what would that call to action be? Yeah. I mean, it's actually a quote. Um, I think, it, like the, it's supposedly by Thomas Jefferson, but I'm not, I think there's some discrepancies on if it was really his and what exactly it said, but it's um, if you want something that you've never had, you must be willing to do something you've never done. I love that. 
I love that. I, I have heard that before. I, I didn't know it was credited to him or I don't know who it was credited to, but I love that quote. Jeff, thank you so incredibly much for, for doing this. I'm, I'm so glad that we were, we were able to connect. Um, if people want to connect with you, what is the best way for them to, to find you, to find Ethic Advertising? What's, uh, what's, what's your best contact information? Yeah, absolutely. So our, our website um, for Ethic is ethic, E-T-H-I-C hyphen ads, A-D-S dot com. Um, you know, someone wants to reach out to me uh, personally. Uh, my my email address is Swartz, S-W-A-R-T-Z, at ethic-ads.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn and connect with me with me there as well, too. Um, as well as following, you know, Ethic on social media would be a, a great place and, and a, a much appreciated support to kind of share some of the stuff that we have going on, um, you know, with our, with our company. But um, you know, those are some of the best places to, uh, to link up with us as well as, you know, the phone number is 412-224-2100. And, and one thing I want to throw out there as well, you know, one of the things that I've always enjoyed doing, like kind of going back to lunch club is taking some time to connect with some, some people. Yeah. So I, I, I've always maintained what I call open door policy to where it doesn't matter if you're a student, if you're a one person shop, if you're, if you're somebody thinking about starting a business, if you, um, you know, have multi-million dollar business or are part of one, it doesn't matter who you are. If you want to connect with me personally, um, we'll find some time to do that, you know, grab like half an hour and just kind of sit, you know, sit down and talk about, you know, some things, make a connection and stuff. You want to pick my brain on the advertising side of things. Great entrepreneurship great happy to do so um but i i'm really passionate about just helping others and i make sure to reserve some time so by all means if you know if you want to connect with me and the only purpose is to just kind of have that that phone call um you know do it i'm, I'm happy to, to do it. i did that the you know end of last week with a college kid and and everything i'm i i, I really enjoy those things and you don't have to feel like you're bringing me new business or, or looking to, you know, you're the right person for us to hire. You just, if you have something that you want to talk with me about, I'm happy to do it. I absolutely love that. I, and I, I encourage people to do that. If you're interested in advertising, connect with Jeff. I, I can say from personal experience, from even just this conversation over the last hour, not all ad, ad agencies are created the same. Believe me. Jeff is running a, a fantastic operation. So connecting with him has been a treat for me. And I, I, I'm sure this conversation has been a treat for everybody who, li who listened to it. So again, thank you for doing this, Jeff. And I, I look forward to uh, connecting again on many fronts soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Trey. One more time, I would like to extend a huge debt of gratitude to Jeff for joining me on the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure getting to know him, talking about his unique mission and his core values that he runs his advertising agency through. And I can tell you from experience working with and working for agencies, that does not always happen. So the very fact that Jeff has been not only able to put into words his core values, but the core values he hopes to embody within his own company and not just use them as words on a page, but embody them in his day-to-day -day work is profound. And anyone listening who has an interest in this industry 
or any aspect of it, I would highly encourage you to reach out to Jeff. As he mentioned, he is an open book. He loves networking and talking with those who are looking to learn and grow. And I've included all of his contact information in the show notes. So please take advantage of that. And of course, I would love to thank you for taking time out of your very busy day. And if you're listening on the day this comes out, your Mother's Day. And by the way, happy Mother's Day to all of those mothers who are listening to this podcast. I appreciate you. Thank you all so much for listening and for continuing to demand the very best for yourselves. It means the world, not just to me, but to those in your lives as well. If you would like to learn more about the podcast or if you'd like to follow the conversation, you can join me on Instagram at Trey Kaufman. You can find the podcast on Facebook by searching for The Mosaic Life Podcast. And even you're welcome to friend me on Facebook too. It's just Trey Kaufman. And of course, you can visit TheMosaicLifePodcast.com where you can check out the show notes for each and every episode. And you can also subscribe to be a part of The Mosaic Life Podcast Circle Newsletter where you'll get emails every time a new episode releases. Thank you all again so incredibly much. And until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.